0: Welcome to a transforming word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on a Transforming Word.
1: Because of how they live, because of they worry, because they won't do right, they won't trust God, they don't have the peace of God. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you're a worrier. Maybe you be fretting over everything that happens. And this is the interesting thing. The same God you trusted to save you from the penalty of your sin we have a hard time trusting him with our day-to-day stuff i trusted him for salvation i got peace with god but i can't trust him for my little earthly situations so i don't enjoy the peace of god
0: is there anything you're worried about do you have stress from anything at work or at home financially physically or emotionally god promises a peace unlike anything the world could ever offer and it's waiting for you to just accept it. God isn't just there to get you into heaven. As Pastor Bill's going to show you today, he wants a much bigger part in your life. He wants to help you with your day-to-day life, to have a close relationship with you. All you have to do is accept it and let him start to work in you. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter five for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: Well, brief recap, if you've been with us as we have going through Romans, we've come to a place. So Romans starts out in chapter one, showing us how dark it can be for mankind. We looked at that downward spiral of sin and the end of chapter one ends with just a long list of things that men who do not honor God, men that don't fear God, men that don't worship him as God, where our sin will end us up. And that's where Romans chapter one left us. Romans chapter two we learned about the righteous judgment of God, that we're dealing with a God who we all like to focus on the aspect of God that he's loving and gracious and merciful, but he's also a God of justice and sin's got to be dealt with. And so we learned about that in chapter two and how that God wants us to circumcise our hearts and be right with him. And then as we come to chapter three, we look at Just the fact that all have sinned. In chapter 2, we saw those that were lost in carnality, those that were lost in religion. In chapter 3, we looked at the fact that everybody has fallen short of God's glory. We all need help. And then as we came to chapter 4, we got into some of the things that God has provided for us. And chapter four, we learned about our righteous standing with God through faith in him. And we learned the word justification. And if you guys remember, if we look at the word justify, That through Christ, through our faith in Christ, we've been made justified. And I told you guys that it's just as if I'd never sinned. That that becomes our new position in Christ. Now, chapter five, we look at the benefits of being in that place. The benefits of Being in a relationship with Christ that has me justified. I stand before God, though I'm a sinner, though I've made mistakes, though I'm not a perfect man. I stand before the living God just as if I'd never sinned. And there are many benefits to that relationship with the Lord. And that's kind of where we're picking up at chapter 5. So look at chapter 5, verse 1 of Romans. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The first word is therefore. And I told you guys, whenever you see therefore in the scriptures, it's a connection. So you got to look back and see what it's there for. So chapter four talked about our justification. Therefore, since we're justified by faith, he says, therefore, the first benefit. And I want you to take notes. We're going to look at many benefits of the result of us being justified. The first result is now we have peace with God in looking at what that means, before you have a relationship with the Lord, the Bible says that you're at enmity with God. You're at war with God. Many people are unaware of that. Many people don't understand that until you surrender your heart to Christ, you're at war. You're at war with God. You got beef with God. I don't know people here that have had beef with people who may have beef with somebody on earth that you were scared of, but you don't want to have beef with the Lord, y'all. You don't want to be at war with God. Nobody goes to war with God and wins. Amen? And so my situation before Christ was, I was at war with God. Some of us were at war with God, just lost in carnality, lost in different types of sin, lost in selfishness. Didn't matter what you were lost in, you were at war with God. But the moment you bowed the knee, the moment you came to recognize what God had done for you and how much he loved you and he had died for you and you surrendered, you're no longer at war with God. Now you have peace with God. There's peace between you and God. And that's a beautiful thing, that I have peace with God because of what Jesus did for me. One of the benefits of my justified state before God is I got peace with God. I'm no longer at war. God's not my enemy. God's not looking to get me. Some people speak about God. You think he's the boogeyman. Like, God's going to get you. You do that again, the Lord. Like, like God is waiting up there with a thunderbolt to get you. And God says, no, we're at peace. We're at peace because you believed in Christ. You got peace with God. This is the interesting thing to me, though. Many believers, though they're standing before God is one where they have peace with God. There are many believers because they won't walk right. They don't have the peace of God. And there's a difference. I can have peace with God, but I can also have the peace of God. Some people have peace with God. They're saved. But because of how they live, because of they worry, because they won't do right, they won't trust God. They don't have the peace of God. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you're a worrier. Maybe you be fretting over everything that happens. And this is the interesting thing. The same God you trusted to save you from the penalty of your sin. We have a hard time trusting him with our day-to-day stuff. I trusted him for salvation. I got peace with God. But I can't trust him for my little earthly situations. So I don't enjoy the peace of God. And when you think about it, it doesn't even make sense. That I can believe God for the eternal thing, but not for the temporary thing. And so a couple verses, if you struggle with peace, the peace of God, Philippians four, six and seven, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, instead of being anxious in everything with prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And it says the peace of God, which passes understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So God says, but one way to get a victory over someone that lacks peace is they need to pray. Um, Some people don't like peace because they talk to everybody about their problems but the Lord. You'll call three girlfriends and a couple of buddies and four family members and you have 10 conversations and you ain't prayed for two minutes. And that's just human nature. For some reason, it feels better to talk to people, but they can't do nothing for you. It takes faith. To call on him, right? It takes faith to go in my room, shut my door, bow my knees, and cry out to God about my situation. God who can hear me and do something about it. And it doesn't really take faith, but it might feel good to my flesh to call a few friends. Hey, man, I got to tell you about the situation. Man, you got to pray for me. That's what Christians do. You got to pray for me. You ain't prayed for yourself. I love you. That's just the truth, right? So we're not experiencing peace because talking to your friends won't bring the peace of God. They might add some junk. They might say, really? Oh, I I don't even know what I would do if I was you. You know, you'd be feeling worse about it afterwards. So one thing you want to do, struggle having the peace of God, you want to pray. And another verse, if you're taking notes, write down Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. And it says, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in him. He will keep him in perfect peace. That word perfect means complete, mature. He'll have complete peace. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in him. And so it comes down to my trust in the Lord. So once again, first benefit of our righteous, our justified standing before God is we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we can praise God for that benefit. I'm at peace with God, no longer at war with God. Verse two, through whom also we have access by faith into his grace in which we stand. Second benefit is we have access into his grace. We know that grace is God's unmerited favor, God's goodness bestowed upon you just because he's good. It says we have access. And I want to just point this out, that non-believers don't have access to God like we do. What a non-believer can access is salvation. But they don't have access. They can't cry out, Abba, Father. They can't cry out, Heavenly Father, help me with this or that. You know, some people believe that we're all God's kids. And you guys, if anybody been with me for a while, know that that's not the case, right? In our world that we live in, there are people that would say, oh, we're all God's kids. That's not true. Y'all know Satan got some offspring. He got a lot of kids, as a matter of fact. So you're not by default God's kids. You got to be born again into the family of God. But once you're in, once you're God's kids, God said, you have access Right now that he's my heavenly father, I have access to him. I can get in touch with him. Think about all the great people on earth that you can't get in touch with. You can't access any of their powers, any of their resources, any of their ability. And they're just men or people on earth. God says now, because you are justified by faith, you have access into me, into my grace. You have access. You could tap into my unmerited favor in your life. And so we have access into this grace in which we stand and I want to point that out to you guys that how do we stand as believers we stand in grace right some people trying to still stand in their own righteousness all you got to do is try for a while as a believer to stand in your own goodness and once you fall the 550th time you can go ahead and stand in grace I stand on your grace I'm able to stand in your grace I stand because you've been good to me for nothing Lord that you've given me what I don't deserve. I stand in that. Can I tell you guys, that's a safer place to stand in? When you think you earned it, because we know we didn't earn salvation, but some people live their Christian experience as though they earned the blessing, earned the favor. But none of us earn anything. We're all standing in grace. And so if God has bestowed some great gift upon you, grace. If God is strengthening you to have victory in some area of your life, grace. Anything that you're receiving from God is a gift from it, grace. And if you stand in grace, You'll stand in a way that pleases the Lord and will keep you from falling. When you begin to stand in your own rightness, well, you know, I made up my mind. I just decided. Well, now you got to live up to that. And nobody can live up to that. You can't live up to that. If everybody here would be real, 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 you can't live up to that. You can't live up to your highest standards. You fall, you fail, you fall short. But you know what we can all do? We can all stand in grace. I'm standing here because God's been good to me for nothing. What can anybody say about that? And now you can stand in that too, right? I'm not better than you, worse than you. I'm just like you. That's what people struggle with. We're wanting something to put us up. And God has said, I've given you something that really keeps you all the same. Grace. We all stand in grace. If we could all stand in grace, wouldn't that be beautiful? If everybody would just stand in his goodness. Because you know who becomes great when we stand in grace? Our strong standing doesn't make us great, right? Our standing in grace, who does it make great? makes Jesus great. That's the goal. When you get a bunch of self-righteous people, well, I decided, and I made a mama, and I'm doing good, it gets stinky. But when you get a bunch of people that are humbled by the grace of God, though they're doing well, they're standing in grace, and they're all standing in grace together, you pull a few other people into that puddle of grace you're standing in, and we can all stand together in grace. And nobody's great but Jesus when we stand in grace. Amen? And so we're able to stand in that grace. Then it says, in the second part of verse 2, access by faith into the grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That word hope, we're going to see it again in the end of verse 4. It's the exceeding expectation of coming good. It's a hope that we stand in. We have hope in God. Something that non-believers don't have. They don't have hope. Non-believers wonder. There's no certainty about it. We have an exceeding expectation of coming good the christian does in this life and in the life to come when a bad thing happens to a christian right when something that's not really great happens to me i have hope my bible says that all things work together for the good of those who love god and are called according to his purpose so even though this thing happened today that's bad my god says that this will work out for the good i have hope about the future of this bad situation right if I get a death sentence, you're going to die of something. Man, that's t- I'm going to die. But for me to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, I got hope. The thing that a believer has, the world don't have in reality, I have a hope in this life and a hope beyond this life in God's word. It's an exceeding expectation of coming good. And we're going to find out later that God's hope does not disappoint. And so that's why I don't understand. I don't believers. We should never be suicidal. We have hope. Just get through what you're going through, right? You may go through a rough spell. But we got examples in scripture. How long did Joseph's trial last till he came out of it? More than 20 years. He was going through, but he got out. God blessed him later. How long did Job's trial? Job's trial was horrific, but he got to the other side. We've seen people go through difficulty where God was taking them. So if you're going through it today, I'm encouraging you to have hope that you trust in the word, that you cling to the scriptures That this too. All things are working together for good for those that love God called according to his purpose. Maybe you're discouraged because the thing going bad in your life is a result of your own sin, and you're under discipline. You know there's even hope in discipline? God says that he disciplines those that he loves. There's no discipline. is pleasant at the present time, but afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those that are trained by it. So even if I'm being spanked by God and circumstances are kicking my tail because I sinned and messed up, God said, but even this, even this, it's going to work out. This is going to yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Those that are trained by it. So the believer, we have an amazing hope. We are not a hopeless people. We should never be sitting in a puddle with your face in your hand with no hope. We have hope in every situation because of what God has done for us. Amen. And so we have hope moving on. It says in verse three, and not only that. So there's more. And we see them infomercials. But wait, there's more. Not only that, there's more. We also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character, and character, hope. And so he says here, not only that, but we as believers, we can glory in tribulation. The word tribulation, you look it up and it's the word means crushings. The idea here is when they would take the olives and crush it to get the oil out of the olives, they had to crush it to get the oil out. Or there's certain plants that they would have to crush the plants to get the fragrant oils out of the plants. God says we glory in crushings. That when God allows a believer to go through times where I'm just being crushed, by circumstances, God said I'm bringing something good out of it. Believers are never crushed for nothing, ever. You'll never be crushed for nothing. You won't endure tribulation for nothing. There's always something God is doing through it. We just got to get there. We got to keep walking. In James, if you're writing notes, write down James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. I'm going to read this to you. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It says, my brethren, counted all joy. When you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. God says for the believer, you can rejoice when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith is producing something. So if you're today in a period of time where you're going through crushing, you feel like I'm being crushed, I'm going through tribulation, I'm going through difficulty, God said, just hang in there. I'm drawing something out of you. There's something that's coming out of it. Sometimes we got to look back at previous crushings and look at what did God bring out of that? What did God bring out of that season in my life? I felt like, man, this is too much. Can I just tell you guys that God never lets you go through too much? I used to tell myself, this is too much, Lord, I can't take this. And God, no, no. First Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God knows each one of us, how much we can take, how much we can't take. And if he's allowed it in your life, you know what? You can take it with his help. The enemy will tell you, that's too much. That's not fair. Why would God allow that? But the Lord said, no, no, I'm right there. making a way. You can take it. You'll be all right. You'll be better afterwards, as a matter of fact. And so we need to hang in there when we go through difficult things. We don't want to quit. We want to endure tribulation, endure seasons of testing, because God is making us stronger and better and more like him. He's forming his character in us. How do I get the character of Christ formed in me? Well, sometimes we're taught and we just receive it. Other times it just comes through crushing. Guys, I'm going to crush you. I'm going to grind out the stuff that's not like me. If I could be honest and open with you guys, when I gave my life to the Lord, there were some things that seemed like they just went immediately. But I had some character flaws and God was calling me to do what I do today. But there were some things in my character that would not have allowed me to do what I do right now. And so God used people to grind it out of me. There was an attitude of pride, man pride. For you guys, you know, maybe you grew up in the street, man pride, that what you looking at, you're not going to pump me, that kind of man pride. There was some of that that just has been with me my whole life. And I got saved, and I didn't necessarily feel like I had to let all of that go. Uh, you know, I changed the language and stuff, you know, but I mean, I felt like that's just what it is, you know. And God used people to bring me to the brink of that several times early on and confront me with that. Like, you can't be that way. You can't say that. No, you're going to have to be quiet. Now you're going to have to get pumped. That's how it ended up being. But you know what? I'm thankful. I look back at one season and one particular brother that just, oh, just grinded me. I just needed to do something bad in my flesh. But the Lord used him to show me the mess that was still in me, right? Nobody can draw out of you what's not there. So as much as I wanted to reflect it back on him and what he was doing, God was like, but look what's coming out of you, right? When I squeeze your toothpaste, I mean, that's the toothpaste that's in there is what comes out. That's what's in you. He just has been the tool to squeeze it out show you what you're dealing with you need to confess that and die to that that thing helped me out i couldn't be a pastor with that kind of attitude i'd be sock somebody i should have been praying for it i'm better now by god's grace i'm a better man for it you know and so whatever area you're being crushed in god's got purpose in that if god's saying i, I gotta crush you here because there's something that he needs to draw out you're gonna be better you're gonna be okay he loves you And God sets the parameters. He's never allowing it to be more than you can handle. You know, I've looked at some things and said, I don't know if I can handle that. And maybe I couldn't. And that's why that didn't happen to me. Your trials are yours and mine are mine. But the things that God allows in my life and the things he allows in your life, God's working on us. And we need to just yield to the work that he's doing in our lives. Verse three, it says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that the tribulation produces perseverance. So. As believers, we can even glory in difficulties or tribulation because God's producing something positive in us through it. Perseverance. How do you learn to be patient? Nobody here, I know that for a fact, nobody likes being patient. Nobody's default setting is patience. Everybody have a hard time waiting on the Lord, but this difficulty will produce in you some perseverance. And it's not just patience, waiting. Perseverance is waiting while things are difficult. I don't have a problem waiting while things are great. But if I gotta wait through difficulty, I gotta wait through stresses. That's hard, guys. But I'll produce some perseverance in you, so that you won't be a quitter. You won't be somebody that gives up quickly. You won't be somebody that just falls out of the race every time something difficult comes. And we got to be careful because I believe that for Christians in our day, it's going to get tougher to stand for what we believe in. Is we're going to enter into times of more temptation, more trials. And there are people I'm so disappointed with even some pastors that I know right now who, as soon as a little pressure comes on this area, they just buck. And it's like, you know, I'm offended at that. He's like, you got to stand. It's fight time. I mean, there's times where you got to stand. No perseverance. You can endure a little bit of hardship, a little bit of people not appreciating the stance you take. This is my position, right? I ain't write this book. It's God's book. I've been called and anointed and gifted to proclaim it and to teach it and to explain it. I don't get to remake it up. So, when we come up with some things in our culture, our Congress, our whatever, that district, I don't get to rewrite this thing for you guys or myself. I got to say what it says, stand on what it says, but be cautious. Be careful. There are people now trying to rework it. Well, you know, when God said that, it was, no, 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 no. When God said that, he meant it. And it's just getting hard to stand on it now. So, we just got to stand a little more firm. So, moving on. So to produce in us perseverance, verse 4, perseverance will produce character and character hope. And I just want you to see the progression. These are all progressive things that God is doing in us. He says, with glory through our crushings or tribulations, they're going to produce perseverance in us so we don't fall out of the race and quit. That's going to produce in us a certain kind of character. It's going to make us a certain kind of man or a certain kind of woman. And being that kind of person is going to create me hope. I'm going to be a person that has hope. Hope is critical for the believer. I gotta have hope beyond what I can see. And what hope does for us, it's like what it does for a kid. Everybody ever promise a kid something. um, And they're looking forward to it. I don't know you guys, you know my son Billy is autistic. So when you tell him you're going to do something, he presses, he wants to know what day, when, what day, uh, what time. But he'll never forget it. I mean, he wakes up that day and he's like, Dad, what day is it? He's basically trying to make you tell him what's supposed to happen that day, but he's not letting it go so Two months ago, Harmony told him she's going to take him to Disneyland in August. And she promised him a trip to Disneyland. She's going to take him. He wants to go see the world of color. He loves that. And so every single day, he's trying to figure out what day in August. So today, if you talk to him today, he's like, he's picked August 11th. That's the day he wants this. What's happening August 11th? And I'm like, I don't know. He says, uh, Disneyland's happening August 11th. What's happening August 11th? He's trying to get me to say it so he can hold me to it. But I just want to get him know that he has a hope. And if I tell him, I said, Billy, in August, you're going to Disneyland. He starts laughing. I mean, that hope excites him. He's getting an enjoyment about it now because he believes that he's going to get to do it. For the child of God, right? We got an expectation and a hope of things that are beyond this life that God has promised to do for us and in us. That sometimes that hope has to be my joy. I might be in a messed up circumstance. But I know for me, I got to have perspective beyond this life. I'm going to heaven when this is over. You know, this is going to work out for the good. I got to be someone that just in the midst of it, I just got hope. I got hope that God is doing something greater. Don't see it today. I don't know what it is right now, but I just believe that I'm a child of God. I'm good. I'm not like everybody else. I mean, I don't have to worry about this. I don't have to fret. I'm not going to cry. God is working something out here and we'll just keep walking long enough to figure out what it is. And I can definitely look back in my life and see times when it worked out just like that when there was a present trial or difficulty and it seemed like it was the end of the world at that moment but it wasn't and god came through and god worked out something else and they were good that came from it and so we need to have that perspective if you're a child of god and you're a worry wart some of y'all parents are terrible because it's bad enough you don't hope and then you pass it on to your kids and you in front of your kids oh my goodness i can't believe this oh the world is falling. you know you sound like the sky is falling you sound like that and you don't have a verse You don't have a scripture. You don't have a hope. You don't have a perspective. I got to have it for me. I got to share it with my wife. My kids have to experience it. Our experience in life should be different because we have hope. And so these are the things that God is creating in us, just the benefits of being justified by faith in Christ. Verse 5 now it says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us just an important point there god's hope doesn't disappoint now your parents might tell you they're gonna do something and then don't do it some of you women your husband will promised you something and you hope for it and he don't come through and so you hoping people you could be disappointed you could be let down
0: you've been listening to pastor bill bovington and a transforming word we know you didn't have to come today You could have turned off this message and moved on to the news or to a talk show, but you chose to stay. You chose to invest your time in learning more about the Word of God with us. In this series, Pastor Bill is making his way through the book of Romans. In Romans 8, 6, we read, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. You didn't have to stay today, but it might be the best decision you could have made. On the news, you could have encountered plenty of death, but here we're able to set our minds on the Spirit together, discovering the life and peace that He brings. And we have more opportunities for you to set your mind on the Spirit. Why wait for the next edition of A Transforming Word? On our website, you'll find a daily Bible reading plan, links to our YouTube channel, and our mobile app. You'll have hundreds of messages available to you at the touch of a finger. You'll also find ways to join in the work with us through giving and prayer. Our website is calvaryenglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryenglewood.org. But there are other ways to find us too. We're on Instagram and Facebook. What better way to move your mind to the Spirit than to bring Him into your social media? As you can see, we have many ways to help you connect with God throughout your week. Oh yeah. And don't forget to come back here next time for a transforming word to transform your life.